welcome to Make Change Fun and Easy with your happiness expert, Samia Bano. This is the podcast to help change makers, coaches, trainers, and healers break your chains of fear so you can create the impact and income you desire with fun and ease. Please make sure you subscribe to enjoy every episode. This podcast is sponsored by the Happiness 101 program. Hello, salam, shalom, namaste, sasirkal, aloha, hola, ciao, bonjour, buna, and priviet. You know, I'm really, really looking forward to my conversation with our guest today. She's a very special guest. Her name is Kayla Mumford, and she is a birth worker, uh, full-spectrum doula, and doula instructor. I, I think you're one of the most unique guests that we have had on our show. Kayla, I'm so excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you. I appreciate everyone for welcoming me here on this amazing show. Yes. And Kayla, please tell us more about who you are and what you do. My name is Kayla Mumford. I am a full spectrum doula, doula instructor, um, childbirth educator, many other things as well that I'll kind of get into, um, and mainly a mom. So beyond being a birth worker, I have conquered birth as a mother. Um, I have three beautiful children. I've had a hospital birth, I've had a home birth with the midwife and a doula, and also uh, an assisted home birth as well. So I've experienced it in many different ways as a birther, and I've also been a doula for many years, as mentioned. Um, I got into birth work um, officially after my second birth, so I had that home birth with a midwife. It was a completely different experience than I had in the hospital. And I just knew I needed to help more families, more women, more moms, more birthing people have a beautiful experience like I did and just know that it it is possible. So I, at two weeks postpartum with my daughter, went and took a, a doula training and got certified right away. And I ended up starting to work doing ultrasounds. So it kind of took off right away. I was serving a lot of clients right away. Um, also doing ultrasounds and just kind of really emerged into birth work. Um, and then from there, I kind of got more on the community side in 2020 um, when I had a client lose their baby. And it was really shocking and a highlight for us in the community that there was a big gap and lots of needs just with COVID on top of barriers that were already there. So um, it kind of sparked the flame of knowing that we needed support. And me and one of my dual sisters, we reached out to people and um, into the community and we got support on getting a grant for um, COVID support for birth workers and for birthing people in uh, Southeast Wisconsin. It was specifically for Milwaukee and a few surrounding counties. Um, and from there, it just kind of took off with more of the community side and being a community leader, um, pushing more for birth equity, uh, reproductive justice, and um, BIPOC and marginalized communities having better birthing outcomes. And yeah, so from there, I just kind of built the passion. Um, and then in 2021, after taking several doula trainings from the time I started by then and just seeing a lot of gaps and different things that I felt was still needed, specifically cultural pieces that like, again, BIPOC communities um, and community-based care needs to have. And like a lot of the trainings that I had taken didn't have that component and it wasn't really relatable to those communities in a lot of ways. So I developed a course um, and I launched it in 2021 and started training BIPOC doulas, again, starting in Southeast Wisconsin. Um, and yeah, from there, just started the uh, instructor side and doing different trainings to train with other things like childbirth education and um, really equip our community with knowledge because I do feel that if we have the right education and understanding, we can make better informed decisions for our health and ourselves and our babies and our bodies. So um, it's really important to me on that side and providing community expansion. Um, so that's why, again, I didn't want to just be a doula and service the people that I could reach with my own two hands. But I knew that I wanted to 
um, help pave the way for more doulas um, for those communities that really need it, like BIPOC communities and marginalized communities. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of the birth side. <laughs> I do also, um, I do call myself a serial preneur because I have always had a passion for business. Um, I went to school for business and graduated with a degree uh, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And then again, I have my birth business. I also am a model now. That's something I'm really passionate about and reaching people and helping people just understand that they can go after their dreams and do whatever they aspire to do despite any odds against them or barriers or anything like that. So that's yeah. my true passion is Aww. reaching people. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, you know, I definitely see that entrepreneurial spirit in you. And, uh, you know, that entrepreneurial spirit uh, is probably what has also allowed you uh, to, oh my gosh, like just because, you know, entrepreneurs at heart, we are people that we see a problem and we're like, you know what? We, we want to find a solution and we want to deliver the solution to people, you know, and whatever the field you do that in, that's what drives you is that you're you're wanting to help people and serve people. And uh, I think it's just so exciting that you are so committed to to following your passion, you know, and even in varied fields like birth work and modeling but I can totally see how the two things can support each other actually because you know with modeling I bet you're able to bring in a flair and elevate your marketing and so forth for all the other businesses uh, or organizations or campaigns that you participate in and uh, you know uplift those brands and those messages as well so Wow, it's so cool. Thank you. Yeah, okay, okay. So, you know, this is a podcast for change makers, people who are on a mission to change the world, which includes lots of fellow serial entrepreneurs, whatever the different fields are within which we want to make change. Um, so I would love to focus uh, with you today on the birth work that you do because when I learned about the work that you're doing I just feel like whoa um, there is a serious lack of awareness that there's even like the magnitude of the problem and what the problems actually are that are being faced day in and day out by women and and we're not talking about you know outside of america we're talking about right here in america can you uh kayla tell us a little more about what are some of the key uh barriers or problems that you see women struggling with in the context of their maternity health particularly in the context of uh issues that come out when it comes time for birth. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode. Hope you're getting value out of it. For your information, this episode has been sponsored by the Happiness 101 program. Are you a change maker, coach, trainer, or healer? Are chains of fear holding you back from making the impact and income you desire? Using a unique combination of positive psychology and the spiritual wisdom of our most effective change makers, the Happiness 101 program helps you break through your limiting beliefs and manifest the abundance and success you desire with fun and ease. Interested? book a free happiness 101 exploration call with me your happiness expert samya vano just use my online calendar link in the show notes now back to the show yeah um it can be so many but um just to highlight some main 
um, issues and things that is kind of, um, I guess you can say delaying maternal health, um, is the disconnect between clinic and community. That's a, a huge one because um, the hospitals are not really immersed in the community to know what's going on. And the community uh, is disconnected from the clinic and doesn't even know how to navigate hospital systems because it's all foreign to them, just like a different language. Um, so not having the right information and that connect to the uh, hospital systems is one thing. So that creates barriers and um, and so forth. And then so when people are making decisions for their health, again, they're not able to make informed decisions. And then also with hospitals, making sure that they're giving the right to make informed decisions, because a lot of hospitals and a lot of um, it, a lot of people aren't being given their rights, their birth rights and, and being given the right to make an informed decision, informed consent from their providers. So a lot of people are just kind of going with the flow of what they're being told and not what not what they should do for their bodies and what makes sense to their specific situation. So um, it creates that disconnect. And then when you're just getting standard care, you know, going off of a protocol, birth doesn't work like that. It's spontaneous. It's intimate. It's um sporadic you just don't know and everyone's going to be different so when you create a, a standard that you treat everyone by it's it's kind of hard to to you know like specifically to change things when no one's getting the right care that they need especially if you're someone um a minority or a black or brown person because you're gonna you know the statistics show we have completely different experiences in the hospital system so um, we need care that's tailored to us. We need um, our social determinants of health played in as a factor because, again, those things matter. Um, living situations in marginalized communities is going to be different than, um, you know, a wealthy community. And that plays a role in the health and, and so forth. So um, all those things have to come into factor. And I don't really think they're being considered in that gap between community and clinic, that trust barrier, that foreign areas it just kind of creates a disconnect and and things don't merge properly when when that time comes and then when people aren't being heard when they're expressing things or something doesn't feel right and again protocol is just being followed or voices are being ignored that creates you know more of adverse outcomes because people's bodies which should be leading isn't leading the way um and that is another thing that we're not a lot of times not following the natural system of the body first and letting that person kind of guide us. Again, we're in the systems following the system first and then trying to get people's bodies to adjust to the system. And it, it just doesn't always work like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember watching a episode recently uh, uh, on a show where they were addressing some of the challenges with maternity health more generally they didn't necessarily focus on uh, just birthing but they were try uh, trying to talk about maternity health and they were talking about how there's so many areas actually in the U.S. where they don't even have clinics and hospitals that are equipped to to actually um provide maternity care and uh, like when it's time to give birth to women there there is no um, doctors and nurses who have been properly trained and and so there's a huge knowledge gap and and so you know you if uh, you know even if you do end up in in a hospital and there there's no properly trained doctors and staff in the context of providing proper maternity health then it's like kind of, I'm imagining that's part of where this problem emerges of they're just following some kind of system. I mean, they're, I hope, trying to do their best, <laughs> but it's not good enough because the the knowledge is not there, the experience is not there. And even to the extent that the knowledge um, is there, it's not a very... Um, expansive or holistic and and taking like it's based on studies and research and work that's basically maybe been done on 
like rich white people or something that sort where you, you know who tend to show certain kinds of trends in their health and um you know their uh, uh you know whatever their needs are in the context of maternity health and birthing and so forth but like you you brought up that when we're looking at marginalized communities when we're looking at um bipoc communities that's for by the way for people who are not familiar with that expression it's just referring bipoc is referring to uh uh uh, uh, uh people of color <laughs> I forget what each letter stands for. And I'm blanking on it right now, but basically, people of color. Um, so you know, definitely, you know, it, it, if you look into the research uh, where these things are taken into consideration, you definitely see again and again that uh, people of color, people who are coming, you know, from genetically from different parts of the world, you know, and so forth, we have different um, some differences, some relevant differences in how our health uh, functions, how our bodies function. And um, most of the time, you know, Western medicine, because they haven't done that research, they haven't taken the time to look into that um, aspect of things. They're, they're just unaware. It's a big problem, I see. Yeah, and what I mentioned earlier um, with like social determinants of health and all of those things not being in a factor in that gap, it really starts with like root causes. So like there, there's a study done by a doctor, um, Joya Perry, and uh, she kind of shows like how social determinants of health are like, that's like what we see. So that's like the outcome of root causes. So when what we think about the- some, What are some social determinants of health? So like living environment, quality healthcare, um, having access to quality health care, food and nutrition, air quality, all of those things, um, safe neighborhoods. So like at the top, when we think of like root causes, um, one of the main root causes is systemic racism. So we're seeing the worst um, statistics for black women leading and, and black and brown people leading above like white people that's having baby having babies but um so systemic racism because when we think about birth on this level it's not a biological problem it's not that black and brown people can't have babies or that there's an issue with our bodies that's different than a white person's body it's it's not <laughs> that's just not the case so race in this aspect when we think of systemic racism is because it's embedded into the laws and the behavior of the people so um, when people are going to have their babies, they're being treated a certain way or they're not being considered a certain way that would help and would also be fitting for them. So that's, again, where equity comes into play and why we need birth equity, because we're like you said, you can't kind of identify certain things or, or give us care based off of a white person living in a wealthy neighborhood because they're going to have a different birthing experience than a black woman living in a low income you know, community that's high crime rate. Mm. So those are things that, again, like we have to take into consideration um, when people are birthing because it's just, it's going to be different and it's not necessarily taken into consideration. Yeah, yeah. It's so true. Uh, so so you, uh, thank you for raising that point that even beyond the, the issues at a at a medical level like in terms of just natural differences in our body and stuff there are so many social and environmental factors that have an impact on our health and well-being and i mean i guess this is also part of where us as change makers step in you know and especially with the kind of approach that you have taken to addressing this issue um Tell me more about, so so you used the word doula, being a doula instructor uh, and so forth. Can you tell me a little bit more about who is a doula? Where does that word come from? Why, like, um, um, why do you prefer to use that and so forth? 
Yeah, so uh, doula, so it comes from, I believe it's a Greek word um, deriving meaning like help or servant, like a woman servant. And but what a doula is, um, is a support person. Um, and honestly, doulas can be for any time in life. There's death doulas there's, um So people will get them at like end of life care. Um, but specifically for birth, um, just thinking of like birth doulas, postpartum doulas, um, they help during the birthing process. So they help pregnant people during their um, pregnancy and birthing process to help them have a smooth outcome. Uh, physically, emotionally, um, spiritually, even mentally, uh, and help them get through that. So they are like that extra person that just makes sure everything is aligned. So they help connect between if the hospital and the, the, the patient. Um, so then clear communication can be had to help them advocate and find their voice. Um, so then they can, again, advocate on their own race, they inform them, they help build, help them build their confidence up and um, re help them remember the strength that is within them to have babies. Mm -hmm. um, they support the partner to make sure the partner is equipped. Um, there's a lot of times where I've had partners, it's like, well, what do we need them for? You know, what do we need her for? I'm here. And then afterwards, they like, I get the partner just like, you know, welcomes me like a part of the family because I was such a good help and they realized how much they needed that support because um, most male partners don't even want to really be involved, mainly because they don't really know what's going on um, and they rather be hands off, but they kind of feel obligated. So to have someone there to support them and let them know these, this is okay, you know, this, your partner's going to be a little like this right here or these things are happening, that's okay, things are progressing. Um, it really just helps them feel confident and secure because they know what's going on. Um, when I had my first start in the hospital, um, her father actually was like balled up in a corner, like just, <laughs> and he, we thought he had a headache, but we didn't find out until um, our second child that he was having an anxiety attack and the hospital was completely, you know, he, he was over there, no one really cared. Yeah. And it was just like, he just didn't know what was going on, honestly, with me at all. And then until it was time and like my sister's like, hey, you know, she's having the baby. It was like, but he was completely excluded. They didn't think to ask him anything to like know what's going on. I didn't even know what's going on. Um, so to like have that, that um, assurance that everything's OK with your, your partner and everything's OK with you. And, you know, you can get through this pain. You really have it in you. Um, you know, someone to remind you to go to the bathroom because, you know, that can be a conflict of trying to have a baby holding your bladder. Um, and all of those things, it's just like, it really makes a difference. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I can imagine. And what you were just sharing about the partners, uh, um, I mean, I think coming from a culture, uh, you know, an Asian culture, like my parents are from India and Pakistan. And I actually lived the first 18 years of my life um, in Asia before we came to America. And, you know, one thing that I, I saw over there that I, I think is different in America for most people in America, although I think in communities of color, <laughs> uh, we, we uh, do the best we can to hold on to these kinds of aspects of our culture wherever we are. But uh, what I'm talking about right now is in the context of, you know, like when a woman is pregnant. Um, I mean, that's something that's very celebrated, but it's not just okay, we throw you a party one day and then, you know, that's it. It's sort of like, um, you know, there's a saying that, you know, a child is raised by the whole community. And so from the not from the time that, you know, you're you're pregnant, throughout your pregnancy, after your pregnancy, the the community like wraps around the around the women and there's like uh, experienced mothers all around you you know whether it's your own mother uh, your your mother-in-law your aunts your sisters etc 
um, other elders in the community and they're like sharing their experience, their wisdom. And, um, you know, there's like, I remember um, I was watching this one uh, drama episode thingy where they were actually trying to raise, uh, do a, like a, um, gen- uh, the story was about generational conflict happening. And they gave this like really uh, interesting example uh, where there was a scene where there was the mom and then there's a daughter and the daughter was pregnant and the mom was trying to give her some advice uh, about, you know, how to take care of herself in pregnancy. And the daughter, you know, they were showing her character as um, having uh, this attitude of, I don't trust the traditional Indian um, way of doing things. I'm just going to go to my Western doctor and only listen to my doctor, what they say. And, um, you know, uh, and the mom was like, like giving the example of something and she said well my my elders taught me to like they told me to go climb stairs so I could get some exercise that I need during pregnancy and they helped me to figure out okay well this is enough and don't go beyond this you've done enough because you know there's that balance to strike between like you don't want to completely just sit back and do nothing while you're pregnant but you can overwork yourself and uh, strain your health um, into how do you find that balance like and so on and so forth and that comes with experience you know and so uh, the mom in this drama was you know like giving these kinds of examples of how she was helped by her elders the community around her to figure these things out and she was like trying to get her daughter to see that, you know, just depending on the doctor, who's like one voice and one perspective, that it may not be it may not be sufficient. And I personally thought that there was a lot of wisdom in that, in that idea. Because I mean honestly, like with Western medicine, I've seen that like over the years, um, I mean I mean, with the research, I mean, it's a research-based initiative, of course, but it's like as as the research comes out and so forth, they they change their protocols, they change their understanding of what's right, what's beneficial. Um, And in a way, that's good. But the thing is that because, unfortunately, there's so many gaps in terms of like, there's not enough research being done, the research that uh, has been done is still relatively new and recent and so there's just so many gaps in knowledge uh, when it comes to these issues if you and if you so if you're just depending on these western um, institutions and systems of knowledge you really sort of do find yourself I think at a bit of a disadvantage yeah you know, that's something that like with my trainings and like um, even with families that try to restore like those um, those practices of old times just to be aware. And even if it's just instilling the the strength in them, just reminding them of and empowering them with the strength that they have. But obviously, Western medicine, it does have its place. But the thing is, when everything happened where, you know, they because, you know, like you said, people were given babies with their with, you know, groups of women and their partners and midwives um, throughout history. And then things changed. They started to demonize granny midwives and um, the ideology of that and and change it. So then everything went to the hospital system. And when they were doing trials on on black women and so forth, um, they, you know, they demonized what was natural and normal for people to do when they had babies and then they built up the the system the, the the ob system so now there's this new standard of healthcare. but really like i said western medicine has its place the standard the norm shouldn't be surgeons giving 
you know, helping deliver babies. That's just mm. it. You know, they have their place. If it's an emergency situation, we should have an OB. We should have a surgeon. But mm. midwives, you know, we're the ones giving babies. It should be a more, a more holistic approach, at least in the sense of following the body. Now, if the body is giving signs of emergency, we know that we need to proceed with, you know, the right protocols. But if the body is operating at a normal you know, operation when it comes to giving birth, then we should be following the body. It should be, you know, minimum, you know, we have midwives, which is honestly, it's all a lot cheaper than the hospital system alone. So we know that, but again, it's the system, but, mm -hmm. but yeah, so those old practices and those old ways are like, I, I do really feel it's important to learn and to know because when people are going to the hospitals, like you said, they're just listening to their doctor. And that's also a problem because I feel like the doctors should be more equipped to to really, they should really be forced to make sure they're giving informed consent for one mm -hmm. and not pressuring people into doing things um, because of, you know, whatever they have going on or, you know, whether it's them setting an induction date because the person's 38 weeks or they have a vacation coming up or all those things shouldn't be okay. Like that's not okay. You can't force a life coming into this world because of, you know, circumstance that you guys have going on. Um, but all those things create problems. And we see that because there's a documentary called The Business of Being Born. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually the um, actress Ricky Lake. She like made it. Um, it's a really good documentary, but it really highlights how the hospital system is literally a system and giving birth is business. So when people are going in there to give birth to their babies, you know, other people are coming in to punch a clock. So yes. it's a different perspective. And again, it creates a gap. And when you have one, you know, one part of it, yes. you know, wanting one thing and then, you know, trying to force other things or creating interventions yes. to, it creates problems. That's right. That's right. Oh my gosh. Uh, I mean, that, this, this, turning healthcare into a business i mean that has been creating problems in all areas of healthcare honestly not just in the context of birthing i mean the the fact that doctors are so pressured for example to just get their patients in and out in and out like um, just the other day my dad was like uh, if you have multiple problems uh, health-wise that you want to go see your doctor with, make a separate appointment for each problem because you're, uh, uh, I don't know how he found this out, but he was like, um, our insurance, the doctors are given like no more, like they're told that you shouldn't spend more than 30 minutes per patient. And so if you have a complex situation going on in terms of your health, uh, you need to sit with your doctor for more than 30 minutes, you're in trouble because your doctor is under all this pressure to get rid of you in 30 minutes because they have all these like quotas to need and the insurance won't pay for extra time and, you know, things like that. And so I was like, that's just really sad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is why advocacy is so important in education. Um, so people can understand their rights and advocate for themselves um, and say, you know, that's not enough time. I, I still have a lot of questions, you know, like if you when can we get these questions answered, you know, or, you know, just be able to have that power because in the healthcare system overall, there's a hierarchy, you know, everyone looks at the doctor as, yeah. you know, the this you know superior person when really if it's not here it should at least be the the patient is above and in control of their health and then everyone else but there is supposed to be a partnership where you know you're coming on really to work for me but to be a partner in my health care um, but not to take over and make those decisions for me or to silence me or make me feel bad when I ask a question or tell me this is the way it's going to go because you understand this language you're speaking versus helping me understand it to make the best decision for me because essentially doctors are just practicing providers we have to remember that and everything that's learned is based off of our bodies and us first so we have to you know 
remember those things as well. Yes. Oh, this made me think of two things. One, that, you know, the idea of we see the doctors is in the superior position. But the truth is, that, like, especially in the big hospitals, the doctors themselves are just part of the machine. There's just one part of the cog. And oftentimes, you know, the doctors are not in control because they're being there. there's all kinds of pressures and stuff that is being put on them through the administration, through the insurance uh, constraints, this and that. So even when oftentimes, um, like I know so many doctors, I mean, in India and Pakistan, you know, are one of the top three favorite professions all parents want their children to go into is to be a doctor. And so just in my circle of family we have like so many doctors and you know they tell me that you know you can get stuck as a doctor you know in in these systems and feel so out of control in terms of you want to do more and better for your patients you can see that you're not providing them with the best care that you even could provide them with but you sh- once you are stuck in that bad system you're stuck and you're not able to even do your best so so you know there's a need to think uh, like as a patient um, uh, and be aware of these issues and be like okay uh, in terms of empowering yourself to make decisions and so forth and um I mean, the other thing you made me think about actually is this podcast I was listening to. It's a podcast, uh, the, it's called Pay the Tab, and they actually focus on um, uh, the idea of reparations and what that means and what it looks like. And they did this one episode on. Um, Man, I'm forgetting names. But there's a white doctor person who's considered the father of gynecology. Oh. Uh, you, you know, and he's like... Um, um, Jay Miriam Sims, I think this is his name. Yeah, whatever his name is. But in this episode, they were highlighting the fact that He actually conducted so many like brutal experiments on women, uh, particularly black women, uh, in in the name of, you know, uh, doing research, uh, gynecological research. And there was like, um, like without giving the women anesthesia, without, you know, giving them actual uh information about what he was doing to them you know like he 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 forced them uh into like all kinds of really painful procedures and processes that created all kinds of ill effects for them and and didn't care i mean so you know thinking back again about the idea of systemic racism and other yeah you know, issues where our healthcare, it's not just about our health. <laughs> you know, that uh, there is so much more going on. And yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up about um, his name is Jamie Marion Sims. Um, I actually teach about him in my class also because there is a long history of trauma, especially for black women in, you know, marginalized communities, black and brown people. Um, and that's where it started. So they started doing those trials. This is how they built the gynecology system that is, you know, still giving adverse outcomes to these women today. Um, but he was doing those trials on those women, unmedicated um, procedures and stuff to build this um, medical journal or um, to use for healthcare. And so, like, there's a lot of um, a lot of trauma markers. So, like, epigenetics. I don't know if you've heard of that, where like those um, things that affected, like because we were in our grandparents and our in our mothers and our grandmothers and so forth. So the trauma that they've experienced through m- medical trials or the birthing experience they've had, um, 
can leave trauma marks on us. So we we experience some of those traumas today. So like by us talking about it and how you mentioned um, the mom trying to like um, show those ways, um, those old custom ways of of birthing and doulas and us coming back to reclaim the natural essence of birth is helping to rewrite some of those trauma markers that we have on us from past experiences. And that's really, for me, like one of what it's all about is just kind of changing those things from before, now, and hopefully the future as well, not hopefully, for the future as well, because everything matters and everything that is happening and that we're doing as birth workers and even having this conversation is, is changing those markers. Can you give me an example of... Um one of these trauma markers that uh, is reflecting this kind of generational trauma being passed on? Like what would somebody um, be, might be experiencing as a symptom that would be like, oh, this might actually be this trauma marker that's a result of uh, this kind of generational trauma? Yeah, so um, even from like, just list their great grandparents, um, you know, experiencing maybe being on a breeding planta uh, plantation. Um, so having those like um, the trauma that they experienced while pregnant with us, it can affect how we give birth. Um, it can like because trauma is one of those things. It's like it can show up in a lot of different ways. So it could be in a life a life experience where like maybe we again have difficulty giving birth or um like going to the hospital even with that i mean people will have like you know like they have like white coat syndrome or something where they may experience health complications because of going into the hospital um so it just really depends on like the circumstance so if our grandparents were experiencing adverse birthing outcomes we can still be experiencing adverse birthing outcomes just from the trauma you know alone that we've already experienced and that genetic mark that it has made on us so not only do we still have like systemic racism and all those things that keep you know making it worse but we also have you know some of us may have trauma you know birth trauma that has just been there from before or even our own birth coming to this world could have been traumatic and you know leaves you know affects you in this world because yeah. people do get affected by their births and mm. don't know it but then it shows up in different ways mm. yeah yeah i hear what you're saying i i i've recently um been sort of becoming more aware and learning more about um the this idea of generational trauma actually so um it's really it's really uh fascinating actually because i know like for me there was a part of me that um didn't want to believe in this idea of generational trauma because i want i was like so wanting to be in control of my well-being my health my safety that i was like i didn't even want to face the fact that there were things that were outside of my control yeah. that were impacting me and affecting me i was like no no all it is is what is now and i control my now and i control my present and i just didn't want to face um uh, anything beyond that because then it began to like weigh on me and make me feel like you know helpless in ways and i hated that i, I had a real issue um with 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 that and so um but you know it, it's really important it's really important it's like you just if you if you turn a blind eye to to problems that are actually existing uh, because of your fears and stuff it actually just makes the situation worse and it just creates another layer of fear 
and actually even creates issues in terms of you're being able to find and implement the best solutions for you because you're not um, taking the full picture into consideration in terms of what the problem is, what the root cause is, and how to heal it. So yeah. And stress, you know, like with trauma, stress is one of those things that does have a physical impact on people. That's why it's important, like nutrition is important for pregnancy because certain foods can, you know, cause stress, chemical stress um, and, you know, other things as well. So like, again, if you if your mom was stressed when you were pregnant, you can deal with stress, you know, because you were, you know, you were in her womb and and, you know, but thing is, like, you do have the power to change things just like, again, you know all the efforts that we're doing these efforts are changing things so for you and for your generations like you're changing those things you're taking control back and remembering those things and putting it at the forefront so then you can overcome it and you know dictate the outcome of it and change it um within you starting with your because it's like if you can first start to believe that it's even possible to you know, have a birth of your even possible is possible for you to to do this, you know, without relying on anything else, then you can, you know, do anything at that point. Yes. And thank you for giving us that reminder because the fact is that whatever traumas we might have experienced or challenges with our health that we may be experiencing even now our bodies have amazing self-healing um, capabilities and uh, even in the context of our brains like the physical brains like even modern western medical science now recognizes that our brains are plastic uh, well it's called neuroplasticity so i think the proper term to just to um and it basically refers to the fact that our brains can change like there was this idea some up to some decades ago that you know you're when you're born of course your brain is changing and growing but then you reach a certain age um basically adulthood and then your brain can't change anymore but um research has shown shown that that is not true our brains retain a certain amount of plasticity um and and that ability to change um throughout our lives and um you know so in the context of healing um uh, it, it is possible and it can happen um for for all of us no matter what kind of um, challenge we're dealing with it our health or trauma so actually on that note uh kayla can you share with us some newbie tips or solutions that you implement and teach your people to implement in terms of creating more birth equity but also uh, improving maternity health um so main one of the main things is um is advocating for themselves so um not just clients but also doulas um helping to install that confidence in uh advocating for themselves and understanding the partnership between provider and patient so then they know that they literally have the right to (laughs) say these things or to request these things for their health care i actually facilitate a training um that was um, is put together by the Black um, Coalition for Safe Motherhood. There's a retired OB doctor, Dr. Leslie Ferretain. She's amazing, and um, she put together this course. And it's just like a hands-on mini workshop to help birth workers and patients feel confident. Hearing from a doctor, like when I first took the training, I was like, wow. Like, so now whenever I have them, I always have her come in because to have that credibility and hear a doctor tell you that you can say these things to a doctor. You can say no. You don't have to go in and be induced if you don't want to. What's going to happen if you don't show up to that appointment? You know, <laughs> what's going to happen if you say no to that, you know, procedure? So just really getting people comfortable um, with speaking up for themselves and understanding their rights in that way. Um, 
and then understanding you know the you know the um i guess the maternal health adverse health problems that we see and just being aware of that so then you know right away especially when i'm working with a family um that is you know a black or brown family just understanding these statistics so then they can understand um you know that some people are going in there and not bringing their babies out or they're not coming out so it's important to understand um for one that you can advocate for yourself and to make sure you inform yourself before just allowing anything to happen, allowing doctors to take over something you're not comfortable with um, and to speak up on your care. Um, education is super important for me, especially for equity, because I feel like if we have at least the right education, um, we can make those informed decisions. We can vet the hospital we're gonna give birth at. We can vet the doctor we're gonna give birth at. If they have a high C-section rate, then, and I want a natural birth, I'm not gonna go to that doctor. So understanding things like that um and knowing your body like is so important just knowing what's going on during your pregnancy you know what's the baby doing what you're doing what's going on in your body so you understand the changes um and if something doesn't feel right again then you can speak up on that and then advocate for yourself on that um i love teaching women think about equity um birth rights so like um, and also the trauma-informed care. So I also always bring in one of my doula sisters. She teaches trauma-informed care and we incorporate that into the doula training because trauma is everywhere. Everyone's dealing with trauma in America probably. So like, I feel like everyone should operate with trauma-informed care um, mm -hmm. when dealing with people, especially community. So um, just understanding that with trauma-informed care when we're supporting families um, and... I was going to say something else besides trauma-informed care. Can you actually um, just explain for people who are not familiar with the idea of trauma-informed care, what is trauma-informed care? Yeah, so trauma-informed care, just a basic definition when, when thinking about the top of my head. For me, it's just like being mindful of what people may be going through. So like, for instance, you know, a doctor coming in and just, you know, touching someone or something, trying, that can rub someone the wrong way if they've dealt with a, a traumatic experience. Um, so, you know, maybe asking consent to touch that person or, um, you know, just again, being mindful of what people may be going through. So when it comes to the aspect of birth, like we um, show the doulas like a plan that they can, we should, we uh, first show them like um, birth rates. And then we also go through, um, and just show them like different things they could do to um, make someone more comfortable and make sure that they're being mindful of any trauma they may be going through before approaching that person. Um, and again, like in communities, you see it more where it's very, it's more important to just be mindful of that because, you know, you never know what situation or what family um, you're dealing with. So just being mindful of people's circumstance and the fact that they may have gone through something. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, for example, if somebody is really stressed out or panicking rather than blaming and judging them and being like, oh, this crazy person, they're like, oh, no, it, it, they're stressed, they're panicking. It may be because, you know, they've had a bad experience in the past, whether it's related to birthing or just kind of generational trauma that's impacting their their current experience uh you know with, with birthing etc and so when you when you are like okay they may have gone through something then you can ask them questions and be and then it makes you more compassionate and willing to maybe make some simple adjustments in how you're doing things so that they feel more comfortable and secure you know yeah and i feel like that should be a norm you know, like, you know, just to be mindful of what people are going through. Like, the whole world kind of needs to be trauma-informed <laughs> to just, you know, care with people. Because you never know, you know, you never know what someone is going through. Um, like, you said, you know, just like, for instance, uh, if my midwife during my second birth didn't realize um, from my past experience when we told her and she seen my partner um, during the birth with my second daughter, mm. she, like... Um, well, even before then, we were in a meeting and she was like, 
she kind of like identified that he was having an anxiety attack that time. So during the birth, he was again, a little drawn back having a moment and she was able to like help him through that. Um, and you know, he was able to have a better experience in that moment as well and be more supportive and, you know, be more comfortable in, in everything in that way. So. Awesome. Okay. Okay. And I might've distracted you from thinking about, you were thinking about some, any other tips that you wanted to share? Um, I would say besides those things, again, just being, um, mindful of the differences in everyone and, you know, everyone comes with their own story. So just first being mindful of the person and really trying to understand that. And then from there, like giving care, um, and then just like, again, looking into rights, your rights and, um, in the hospital, if you're a pregnant person, really looking into your rights, getting a doula or someone, a labor support person that can support you, even if it's not your first baby, because everyone can benefit from a doula. Again, especially if you are in those categories of um, having adverse birthing outcomes. So if you um, are a, a BIPOC, anyone in a BIPOC community or any other marginalized communities, um, get you a labor support person um, to help you go through that. And, and they do more than just at the hospital. Um, a doula becomes like a lifelong family member. Like I still have my clients reach out to me. They're sending me pictures. They're asking me questions, having more babies, seeing if I'm available. And um, it's just like a lifelong partnership, honestly, when it happens. So I don't know if I answered the question. I just got started. No, I know. It was wonderful. Thank you so much. And actually, you made me think of... Um, we're going to start wrapping up for today, but uh, I have another question or two for you. And one question is, where can people go to get this education and learn more about their rights and the support that they have? Because, you know, I, I know it's like so, so critical to have the education and the right information. Uh, but a lot of times uh, people just don't know where to go. So where can they get this info? Yeah, so um, I personally, I do have a website. It's actually being worked on right now. We're updating some things, um, but it's birthembrace.org. Um, I also have an email if anyone wants to reach out to me personally. I answer questions for anyone. <laughs> um, and it's birthembracecommunities. So it's plural, I-E-S at the end of communities at gmail.com, birthembracecommunities at gmail.com. Um, people can reach out to me on social media. It's just my name, Kayla Mumford, on Facebook or IG. Um, and then um, in your community, I feel like in a lot of communities, there's different um, like resources. Like, you know, you should there should be like a group of doulas um, that you can connect to in your community. Uh, if you reach out to me, I can connect with doulas. Most of them are mainly in southeast wisconsin but i do know doulas in other areas as well um and then i can help connect you with like some doula groups i just can't think of them right now off top but um yeah and yeah again i don't mind answering any questions at any time um as well thank you kayla and uh you know as you're wrapping up i want to go back to something that you shared earlier uh, towards the start of our uh uh, episode where you talked about oh, you started modeling also and I was talking about how I think that's so wonderful and can support you know whatever business uh, you're in um, having an amazing model to represent and uplift your brand uh, that will you know um, be so beneficial and so I think cool and exciting so um, can people contact you if they're interested in uh, working with you to help them with, with, uh, with that aspect of things, like to hire you as a model or something? Yes, please do. <laughs> so modeling is like a personal passion I've had since a little girl. So that would make my day um, <laughs> if someone reached out to me for that, for sure. Um, okay. But absolutely, 
do um i don't are you going to share my contact information we will we will absolutely okay, so in the show notes everybody listening please make sure you check the show notes so whether you want information and get more help and support when it comes to issues of uh, maternity health birth work etc um or you want to hire a wonderful beautiful model to help uh with the uplifting of your marketing and branding etc please connect with kayla check the show notes because we will drop all her links in there so you can connect with her with ease and uh yeah i think uh that's uh that's all i wanted to say any last last words from you kayla um thank you so much for having me on the show it was fun and i always get so excited talking about this and i just hope that i inspired someone to you know maybe get a doula or to look into their rights um saying they have the power to birth their babies on their own um and um just to follow your dreams and know that you can do anything regardless of barriers in the way so if i did that today i'm super happy and thank you for having me again you're so welcome kayla and until we connect next time i just wish you lots and lots of peace and joy